Hi, welcome back to You Go Boy Podcast. Um, yeah, we are trying to be more consistent. Okay, guys. <laughs> so you know, this is season two, so things are changing up. We're gonna do better. We've been doing better, so you know, here we are. We are so glad to be back with y'all. I'm excited. I am. <laughs> so my name is Mario Javon Shaw. Um, I am your co-host, hailing from um the Queen City, Charlotte, North Carolina. And then um, say who you are. You know, it just really, <laughs> every time you do this whole Queen City thing. <laughs> but what I will give it, what I will say is that Mario is bigger on like historical context around places where he lives because he just where he was born in Charlotte. I feel like at this point, I was no, I'm, I'm I hold on to Cleveland, Ohio now. I hold on. <laughs> now listen, that is where I'm definitely from. <laughs> but I am your other co-host, Nigel C. Mask, in the other Queen City. I won't even say the, the other one. You know, I don't even know. Well, the but thing yeah. is, they both have great history. And if you do want to go on that, I mean, they mm-hmm. have their own things. No. I guess so. Mm-hmm. But yes, we are back. We are 100% <laughs> back. This episode is going to be dope. So uh, you are listening to Jay Bosco as we open up um, the podcast. You know, he's always giving us our ones and our twos. And- <laughs> All of that. Um, but let's first start off talking about like what's in your cup. Um, tell me what you got in your cup. What's a day? You know, it's been a very lit weekend and I've been praying staying oh, consistent man. with the dark. <laughs> and oh. So tonight I found that I pre-mixed some Coke vanilla and crown black together. So I just poured that over a little cube situation and bam, that's, that's what's in my glass. Kept the real that- it's 100% dope. And like I would like to let y'all know. Interesting. Well, here's the thing. One thing I want to point out is that Crown Black has more alcohol than regular Crown. So I just want y'all to know that. It's 35% versus 45%. So that makes a difference. And so, so uh, I, I not, and you know what's so interesting is I wonder, so you would say that you can feel the difference between the 35 and the 45 <laughs> Absolutely. That's so that's so interesting. You know, I gotta start paying attention more to that because that that <laughs> is we need to bring someone on to talk with, about like that. A, yeah, because I've never I've never gotten into like you know, it's like do I like the taste of it? That's what I usually go for. You know that makes sense. Yeah. I just oh, and then speaking of Coke too, because Coke vanilla is really good to me, but did you know they had a Coke peach? I do know that they have a cold peach. And you know what's interesting is that probably it's a southern thing first. And it seems like sometimes those things are like in the south with these different flavors and shit. You know, like mm. south southern people drink shit like that. <laughs> and then it moves up. That's just going to generalize. But I do enjoy it. it. I've only seen it in the glass uh, huh. bottles. But yeah. I've seen it. I've seen it in stores before, like Walmart and stuff. That's dope. Um. I just have uh, San Pellegrino today with no tequila inside of it. I was trying to go to the store to grab something, right? But I am going on this long travel journey, y'all. Like, I feel like... Here you go. I told y'all we talked about this in the, in the episode before. I know. With this. It's no reason. It's just the fact that, like, I'm just... I was just like, I just need to get home to prioritize, like, packing and everything else right like I, that's how i was looking i was like i i was headed to going to get a uh, um a bottle and then i was like you know what like the reality of it is that i need to be home i need to eat 
Listen, I have like I and and the crazy part. This is the crazy part. I'm traveling. I traveled on fr- last Friday, and I was in D.C. and I did not know that I had a break in my damn schedule. I'm thinking that I'm about to travel 11 days straight. I didn't pack for 11 days straight. I.e., please get those cubes, you guys. You packed. You packed for 11 days. I packed for 11 days and didn't know I was coming back home for two. You know days. what you need? What need to be your assistant? <laughs> I can send over my resume. All right. You can just send me an offer letter. We can yeah. really cut the shit and you can no, desire. <laughs> I just didn't I just didn't know. I, I don't know why. I was just like, I was like, whoa, I, I'm going back home today. Mm-hmm. And I should have got it, caught it when the when the lady, she was like, Mr. Shaw, you'll be here for two days at the at the hotel. Yep. Cause I'm thinking I'm going somewhere else. And and I guess I did knew that I was I didn't know that I was only gonna be in DC for two days. But mm-hmm. I thought I was then going somewhere else. Well, I was going, and I was. I was going back home. <laughs> 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 so that's why I didn't get anything. And I knew I had one more sand left. But it is difficult to sometimes, like, when you're in between these travel schedules to really actually get food in your house because mm, you don't yeah, want to cause... keep food. Listen, I that's just threw out part. an old nasty zucchini today. When you trying to buy, when people like encouraging <laughs> encouraging you to cook, yes, which hat which is great, but like trying to keep fresh stuff in the house is challenging. Yeah. Well, funny thing is when I'm really and and I gotta get back to this. Actually, I need to think about this in my head. One, Mm-mm, write it down. Yeah, <laughs> right. <laughs> you can actually, you can actually, um, I like when I'm when I'm you know I have fresh things in my house. I only have it in my house for two days, you know, like mm-hmm. I'm every two days I'm going to the grocery store and I don't mind that. And I, that's better for me because mm-hmm. one of the number one reasons uh, uh, that we have so much going on with the ozone layer and global warming is food waste. Food waste is like the number one thing that's in landfills. And if we can prevent mm-hmm. that by not, you know, always like wasting off food and everything, like we would be better off. That's why, like mm-hmm. in Charlotte, we have a compost program where, like, a lot of people are composting their their waste and stuff. Shouldn't of- your president be working on that? That ain't my president. Oh, okay, I was just wondering. Yeah, if we need more compost, president that is. Ask <laughs> 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 can they help him work on it? <laughs> but it's true. It's crazy. You know, mm. China not taking our recycle recyclables no more. Child, Wait. they used to take our recyclables. What you mean they used to take them? So we would ship our recyclables over to China. Bitch, we yeah. shipping our recyclables. Yeah, we didn't recycle <laughs> our own stuff. <laughs> you got my nerve. Yes. The U.S. is something now. She old bougie bitch. I did not know. Yes. That. So China was like, y'all recyclables are dirty as hell. We're tired of having to... trying to like go through them and say this is it this isn't it matter of fact y'all just keep them wait 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 pause okay so two things (laughs) one (laughs) i didn't know (laughs) i didn't know that it's actually really funny because being over in asia y'all remember me talking about they didn't want to take my dirty dong which dong is the currency in vietnam and so they were very particular about the bills. Like they need to be in excellent shape. So it's actually funny when you think about recycling because you think you're doing a good thing. Mm-hmm. But 
there are so many categories with recycling things that can be recycled that can't be like even pizza boxes like if they cannot like, be recycled cannot be recycled but you think they can because recycle recycle put put that in a recycle <laughs> if you put that one thing in a recycle it could soil the other things and, that and, are in there and so and, and the, the issue with that is and so, and that's another problem because we go from not recycling to, okay, now we're going to recycle. Now, when we recycle, now we got to get real specific about how we recycle. Like, yeah, they're just going to put everything in there. But my problem is, <laughs> shit, at that rate, people like, listen, I'm already taking the extra step to save this plastic <laughs> bottle as it is. Right. And now you're going to tell me I can't do X, Y, and Z just because of all these parameters around how to recycle? Like, yeah. like that, they ain't going to want to do it. And let me tell you, in Cleveland, Ohio, and that's why it's still going to be hot in November. That's not good. Well, shit, that's what it is. They're going to have to revise that because people ain't got time. <laughs> shit, that, that is me. true. That's true. Now, let's, let's really get into that because that's true. And one of the things is, okay, in Cleveland, Ohio, we have a recycling program. We have to recycle in Cleveland, right? But one of the things that they give you, they, every, they, they mailed everyone what to recycle and what not to recycle, right? Mm. And my mom is now this big all-time recycler. Like, she <laughs> absolutely <laughs> loves it. Like, she has two different garbage cans in the house one for recycling one for i ain't grow up we didn't even grow up like that like this program just started yes. but i love it and we have to change these things for our planet in right years we can't reverse this we have to do it now <laughs> we have to and i'm glad that we could actually talk about it too on this podcast yes. too because it's so important it really is so important you guys because it is um as you know watching the debates climate change healthcare, student loans are like the top three things that yes, they are talking be. about. Yeah. Because I'm hot and then I'm stressed because I got these student loans. <laughs> all these things go all together. And then my medical insurance is too damn high, so I can't I go can't to the doctor. Blood pressure you know, so they all go together. <laughs> <gasps> and then, y'all, okay. And last thing before we get into the thing, but then, y'all, okay. I don't know what y'all want to talk about first. I mean, my weekend, my, my, it's just been a lot going on, but I will encourage people honestly to listen to the 1619 podcast. You guys like that podcast is the truth. It is breaking down everything about how slavery built America from 1619 oh, mm -hmm, on. Mm -hmm. And like the last episode was just about healthcare. So I'm going to just say that, but speaking of that, that, child, I've been going to be a little uh, chiropractor. Give my back, bro. Wish I <laughs> <laughs> Feel different, don't it? Okay. Feel yeah. loose. What's the name of your chiropractor? Like, it's not just a regular chiropractor. Yeah, I know. So, me and Nigel, I, I have been really encouraging Nigel to look into this, but it's a Gonstead uh, chiropractor where they focus specifically on um, um, sublastic. Y'all, it's something like that. It's sub sublastic. It's like the nerve between your bones, and they focus specifically on that because it's the idea that all of your nerve endings is in your bones, connected to your major arteries. So mm -hmm. when you have an issue with your back, when your shoulders are certain, when your neck is certain, these things are also impacting your heart. They're impacting your lungs. Mm -hmm. So when somebody say they can't, like Nigel has uh, uh, a lot of acid reflex. <laughs> <laughs> Talking about fucking acid reflex, right? I didn't know you was gonna use me as an example. I thought you was gonna talk about yourself. I you got, know, I like got Nigel. It. I said, Ooh, okay. okay. <laughs> I'm good on here, but Nigel has acid reflex, right? And funny thing is that is connected to a uh, a part of the nerve ending that could be out of alignment. 
And so when these, when these things are not, when these things are out of alignment, they are not uh, charging or they're not um, sending the, the proper messages mm. up to that particular thing. Like mm. I have the vertigo. I call it the vertigo because I'm not claiming. <laughs> <laughs> and that thing will be erased. But the thing is, I always knew that I was like dizzy all the time and everything like that. Definitely like getting up. I could randomly run into stuff type of thing. And that's connected to a nerve ending. That mm. is connected to like these things. So over time, it's going to get fixed. But today, my chiropractor hit me so good. Literally, I mean, it was amazing. I feel so good even right now. Like, like I told him from last week to this week, I actually felt worse because I really did. My, my bones felt like it was like pressing against each other. While, and I was like, could be because I was on a plane. I don't know type of thing. And he was like, hmm. So he was like, Tessie said, oh, yeah. So then he hit like five points. And I, I walked out of there like a new damn man, Nigel. Listen, I, now I didn't research the <laughs> place. Yes. They don't take my insurance. Oh, damn. So I said, hmm. They already so, called you and said they don't take your insurance? Well, they had a little fill, a little form to fill out, and I I'm put so my insurance on there. And so that's why I can't wait to open the enrollment. For those who need to know when that is, that starts November 1. Yes. Yes. Yeah, so it's ridiculous, research. man. It's just so ridiculous. So, like yeah. But I'm going to – but, but what I did say is I am going to pay for it because, like – Without the insurance is like two twenty five, and then it's fifty five dollars for visits afterwards. That's good. So, yeah, that's what I said. So um, my birthday is coming up, and my cash app is dollar sign Nigel N I G E L C <laughs> Mask M A S K. Um, so you know I would greatly uh, okay. appreciate those okay. donations so I can get this back. Help Nigel get it back, and get this acid reflex together together that's real so yes do a lot of a lot of snoring and stuff too that can help with that it's probably like between your c1 and c7 that's probably not a line i'm gonna see you (laughs) okay (laughs) (laughs) i know right let's get i love these questions for these fireside chat i know we kind of had a fireside chat just now funny thing is because me and Nigel hadn't really talked today so yes. really, like, the goal of this podcast was to really have people uh, really listening on, like, the conversations that we be having. And uh-huh. it's kind of funny because Nigel and I really do be having these type of conversations in real life. And so y'all really did get a peek of, like, when we be on the phone, we'd be like, what you doing? You know what I mean? <laughs> I, I just got the toilet after my car. But it'd be like, it'd be stuff like that. Not today, but it was stuff like, it'd be stuff like that. But yeah, mm-hmm. first start chat. Let's, let's go with some questions. So can we remind them? Yes. How we're doing fireside chat now. Yeah. Um, so the way we're doing it is that you guys are submitting these questions. Thank you for the people that submitted questions yes. on um, topics that you want Nigel and I to actually talk about. Now, there are mm-hmm. going to be certain topics that we're not going to hit. We're not no Wendy Williams. Everything is, you know, on the table. Yeah. No. Some stuff. Keep your feet off the table. <laughs> you elbows off the table. No. So <laughs> we will, but we will talk about most things, and yes. we will, and just leave it up to us. Like put it out there, and we actually there was a question submiss- submitted today that was like, mm, it's not the type of question we would like directly answer, but we could flip the question around yes. to really focus on. So yeah, please. So let us say we we'll determine whether that question should be answered or not. So, all right, we'll lead us on. Okay, I forgot I was the first one. Okay, so okay, the first question that we are asking um 
and and I just, well, that's yeah. okay. So <laughs> I, I want to stop with that other one, that other one that you have. But we're gonna start off with this one. No, yeah, I'm gonna lead us into that one. So go ahead. Okay. So how would you handle your spouse being unemployed for a certain period of time? Mm-hmm. Damn, that's a good question. Okay, I guess I'll go first. Then. You okay, can, let's go. No, go. Okay. You said no, hell no. No, the, no, the spirit moved you. <laughs> uh, it depends on how they were unemployed, how they got unemployed. I Speak just on it. It start right there because if you got if you got fired because of ne- negligent, then it's time for your ass to get a job. But if you are and like for example. Like I go, oh, this is good right there. <laughs> I go back to This Is Us on TV show. Ooh, this is us. Yes. Miranda was unemployed when he got unemployed, mm-hmm. right? Yeah. And Beth, right? And Beth, I always get back. Yeah, him. that's Beth. Beth, they should have changed that. Beth and Becca, what the fuck? But Beth, um, because Becca is his 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 mom, mom. and that shit yeah, he was me all the fucking time. But then again, mm, I okay, don't know because that's Randall. That's Randall for you. Oh, I can't wait. What is it? September twenty third. <laughs> okay, okay, okay. Let's focus. Woo, go back in. All right, now well, Randall when he got fired, it was it was cute for a minute, right? Mm-hmm. The pro- the problem that pissed me off was when Beth got when I mean when, no when Randall when he uh he quit his job. When Beth quit her job, well, she got laid off, something like that. Yeah, she got laid. She got let go. Yeah, she got let go. He started acting a little bit weird, right? Because the finances and everything. I think that's the part about unemployment that I think is really important. I will follow you if you're trying to pursue your dreams. I I'm here for that. We could downsize. We could do what we need to do. But you got to come with a plan. And I think both Beth. And Randall, in my opinion, though they were different, they came with two different plans, mm-hmm. and I'm here to support it. But if you just got fired, if you just got fired, it just depends on how you also got fired. But y'all ask me to be looking for you another job. Uh, <laughs> I just think, yeah, I'm not there yet. I mean, if there is a there yet, I mean, I think like for me, I'm just at a place where, yeah, I just want you to. If you unemployed because you pursuing your dreams, then we're going to call you an entrepreneur because because in the state of New York, <laughs> okay, <laughs> in the state of New York, if you you freelance right now, shit. Hello. Okay. <laughs> Ain't no such thing as unemployment in this house. You freelance. <laughs> okay. <laughs> okay. Shit. Oh, let's go a couple of side jobs. God damn it. Keep it oh, going. Man. You know? That's so, good. That's how I look at it. You know, you said some really good stuff. And all I'm going to say behind that is because I'm I'm down for, I'm in agreement. How did you get, how did we get here? Yeah. That's the real question. How did we get here? And, uh, but I also think that goes back to knowing who you're with. Yeah. Because um, the intimate conversation is about what are your goals? What are you passionate about? What do you want to do? Where do you want to go in your life? Like, you know, things happen. And so you just got to be willing to sit down and have those real conversations and I'm like you, I'm going to support you if you employed, if you unemployed. But at the end of the day, I know what type of man I'm, I'm with. Mm-hmm. And he is going to be that person that has that natural born hustler in him. He's going yeah. to go after the things that he has goals, you know, so I need to figure out how, how I ask, how do you want me to show up? And yeah. in relationships, sometimes you got to take the lead. Um, yeah. There may be seasons where you might be the only one making larger sums of money and have to take on that responsibility. And Talk you got to have that. that vulnerable conversation of, well, 
though I'm bringing in the money part about it, your spirit and you emotionally get drained from that. Yeah. So you need to be sure that you share that in love and tell that person, hey, this is what I need from you. Yeah. I need you to rub my feet, maybe. Draw me a bath. You're going to be responsible for cooking the meals. For like, food, yes. Yeah, you're going to be responsible for cooking the meals. Yeah, you, yeah, you got to have those conversations. Yeah. And then we got to talk about what's the timeline. Like, I'm all about praying about it and seeing what God has and everything. Uh, but you got to be doing your due diligence. And yeah, yeah, you got to be doing your due diligence at the end of the day. Um, so I'm cool, cool for that because things happen. Um, but it's a partnership and though you may not be able to contribute financially, you got to be able to pour into me, um, as far as my emotional bank is concerned and all the other things. So, Hmm. and I also want to say on the flip side, those things do impact, um, the way you communicate, the way you show up, um, in intimacy and all that. So just being sensitive and empathetic because nobody knows what it feels like to well, I should say everybody's experience being unemployed is different. Yeah. So yeah. take time to get to know how that person is feeling. It's yeah. a greater time for empathy. Speaking of feelings and intimacy, we have mm-hmm. a second question. Um, <laughs> and so <laughs> that second question is, mm-hmm. would you do everything you need to do in bed to please your partner? <laughs> That's a really interesting question. That is an interesting question. And the reason why I think it's interesting is because we evolve over time. And the reality is some things that you may have wanted before may not be the things that you want later. Hmm. And that's why when I come into contact with people that talk about what they will and what they won't do, myself included, but um, I'm always encouraging, have a conversation. Mm-hmm. Like, we can't be afraid to talk about intimacy. We can't be afraid to talk about sex. Like, we can't be afraid to talk about those things with our person. Um, yeah, we can't be afraid to talk about it because things change, things evolve, and you might want something different. So, okay, true. And so many people are like, Mm-mm, well, he should know, or she should know how to do, or he should know That's how to do. True. That's true. And we true. can't say that because guess what, ho? You different than the person they was with before. And that's you what I was about to say. You different it's, from when you first started. So don't don't yeah. to the person that they're supposed to know. How are you supposed to know? Or how is she supposed to know you like this or that? Like until you tell them that's what you like. That's what you like, yeah. I don't think that's fair. That's good. That's good. I agree. I think that it it depends on you have to I think it's just at the end of the day, it's like communication. And things do change. I think you, I think in the forefront, it's important to know. I mean, things do change, but I mean, that's but just you gotta, you, you gotta, but you do have to have your, you know, your, you're like, listen, this, I'm not into this. <laughs> hey, I'm saying, right? That's like, it. I'm thinking about me and mine, we had that conversation from the jump. I said, hey, have you experienced hey, 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 I have. Hey, I said, okay, cool. Now, is that something you still want right now? No, okay, bet. Because let me tell you, I'm not doing. I don't do that. That <laughs> <laughs> period, <laughs> and that's okay. That's okay. That is so true. Because you should have that in all areas of life, all of them, huh? Yeah, well, should, all of them. Huh? Like, when you go to a job, you be like, "No, I'm not doing this." Period, mm-hmm. and that's fine. You have your limitations. I have my boundaries. Okay, 
That's good. Okay, next question. That was good. So this one I think is really fun because Mario, if you all do not follow him at Mario Javon on Instagram, you should. Um, because as we know, he loves hobbies. And one of the things he has is the Messy Kitchen show on his Instagram stories. Yes, I do. And he loves to cook, which I think is hilarious because when we lived together, Mario really did not cook outside no. of like some chicken wings that he used to throw some Thousand Island dressing on. <laughs> Shake it up in the bag. Okay. <laughs> yeah, so gosh. on there, he has been talking about like first, <laughs> second, third, and fourth basis as it relates to dating. And then he's been associating the meals that correspond with that. Yes. So we want to talk about that because I always, I thought that was very interesting. Because recently he was saying that, would you say tacos was a first tacos base? Tacos is a first base meal. And a I first was base saying, meal? because, yeah, and, and, and most of the time I'm making second and third base meals. And I think about that because second and third base meals are usually, you usually want to cook for your nigga for, on the second and third base meals versus your first base. I ain't never brought, yes, I have. I ain't even say that. I, there was <laughs> twice, two times, uh, two times that I brought, uh, I uh, got over to like had like two different times, right? Where the first date was me cooking, right? Mm-hmm. And that's what I'm relating it to. Like, what is a fir- a proper first date meal? You can't bring out everything, you know what I mean, in your first <laughs> for the first date. It just can't happen. And so, tacos is a <laughs> first date meal. Do you agree? <laughs> Talk about it. <laughs> okay, so here's the thing. In my previous experiences, <laughs> and even to date, like, <laughs> I'm trying to find this other person's comment when I was talking about it. Meg DeSalian said, basically, he knows it's expensive to date her, right? And I ascribe to that. Like, I'm not coming out the gate just making some basic-ass meal just to save face talking about his first this is the first day bitch i gotta eat so i'm about to eat the way i want to eat and you need to go ahead and get a preview of how i like to eat so ain't no system being fake about it and it ain't and it ain't really about if you deserve it or not <laughs> i'm being so but I'm my question good. is does it go up from there then does it go up from the meal of what you about to feed them does it get better oh it, it's definitely gonna get it gets better in a sense of as I learn more, I do more. But see, I'm known as the remix king, is what mine has has called yeah, me. Yeah, Nigel be so. Yeah, I mean, I might that nigga put broccoli and cheese on a sweet potato, which I okay. thought was beautiful. It was decent, but I said that I looked it up. Today, I was like, it was like, oh my god, sweet potato, cheese on a sweet potato. I was like, what the fuck? You never know. I like potato, it, right? But yeah. that's like it. Like for example, I love bacon. So one day I was like, you know what? I'm about to drizzle this honey on this bacon with a little black pepper. Boom. And it's so good. So it ain't really about, <laughs> I wanted him to like it. <laughs> Nigga be motherfucking playing. Y'all remember uh, Zoom? <laughs> Y'all been making Zoom meals. PBS type goddamn meals. Goddamn it. The Listen, hell you should have been on. I should have been on Super Chef. What's that chef show when they be like, Chef Keys? These are your ingredients. Okay, shit. Uh, 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 I know what you're talking about. Shit, I can't think about it right now. Because you said, we sign. Yes, chef. <laughs> yes. <laughs> you know, yes, you know what I'm talking about. What's, yes. What's yeah. the name of that damn show? Of, we gonna look it up. But yeah, Fuck. I don't, I'm not here for basic meals ever. 
But okay, in that right. in that context, like just be you. Like either they ain't gonna rock with it or they ain't. But that is being you. Like like knowing that there's levels to it. Like if I'm gonna cook tacos on the first meal, that is being me. That is saying that like yeah, we'll be that, you then. Yeah, yeah. And 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 I could get a good nigga with being me. I what if the nigga if the nigga wants the motherfucking tacos, damn it. God damn it, hold mm. on right quick. Let me stop cussing too much. I just said five passionate. But what I because <laughs> the way I think about it is this is that I like a down-to-earth dude, right? So if he expecting lobster on the first damn date, that's no. Mm-mm. I need him to be able to know that, like, someday, most days going to be tacos and chicken wings. Well, here's the thing. Like, <laughs> it could be, so what if it is lobster on the first date, and then the next day he'd be like, bro, can we just get a cheeseburger? He'd be like, bet. Like, but I'm not coming out the gate like that. And maybe, okay, here's the thing. And maybe this is why I don't want to do that. I got the Bernie Sanders thing. <laughs> <laughs> this is what I'm going to do to the electoral <laughs> Okay. Shit. This is what I'm thinking. Because mm-hmm. you got a point with that. See, I, you know, y'all, if y'all learned me throughout the podcast, I like to listen and I love to be swayed with, with, with people thinking around stuff. Okay, you bring a lobster. But here's my only thing with that. My reservation is that when people, I think the thing is when people know what I do mm-hmm. and being a co-founder of an organization, they expect that I have a certain type of lifestyle. Mm-hmm. And most people do not, most, you, we talked about this before, right? Mm-hmm. Which is dumb as hell. I work for a nonprofit, right? That's dumb. I could be on the <laughs> Forbes list. That don't mean I'm eating prime every damn day. Very true. Very but true. the thing is, is that I do like to start off very, quote unquote regular and it is modest. I don't even call it regular because that's just what modest call it. I don't even call it modest it's called mm-hmm. I'm starting off as me because y'all know mm-hmm. how I am everybody who work with me I'm bringing my I got my lunch still in the trash bag I got my Simba Lion King um, lunch box uh, you said that's terrible no, you said, though you said trash bag, I know you meant like a Kroger bag. Oh, Kroger bag. Like yep, a little grocery bag and stuff. <laughs> like, mm-hmm. and, but I don't know. That, that, that's very good. So these base meals are important based on what you think is your first base meal. Now, one of my friends I thought was very interesting when I posted that tacos was first base Um. It said, I'm beyond weak. <laughs> I've been on and at on and off with the same man for seven years. Now, problematic. We're gonna talk about that later. <laughs> he just got upgraded this year. I ain't waiting seven years for no nigga. I'm not waiting seven years for no steak. <sighs> okay. So <laughs> she said, I'm like, <laughs> I'm like, you do know I can make more than tacos, right? <laughs> She said, now my ass is dropping off pot roast with homemade mashed potatoes and mac and cheese <laughs> to his job on lunch. Don't do it. Stick to tacos. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, think about that. She didn't put this nigga in comatic state. But, but think like- about it. The thing, the beautiful thing about tacos is that you can do them real fundamental. Then you can elevate them. So, agree, agree, agree. You know, so I just feel like, like you said, you just got to do you. And part of the conversation is to get to know you, right? Yeah. What type of food? That's what you asked. What type of foods do you like? Uh, what f- type of foods don't you like? 
what type of restaurants do you like to go to? You know? And you can, get a, you can get a gauge on how you need to show up. Like, I remember one time <laughs> I decided to make these two mistakes, right? He was, I said, all right, oh, they dried in the motherfucker. No, nah, nah. not the way I make it. But, but, but no, because most people, ooh, when they, ooh. for the first time when they make tuna steaks, it's dry as hell because they try to cook it out. Tuna no, is, I, I don't cook mine tuna. all the way through. There's some pink that still needs to be in there. Okay, yeah, okeah, cool there. Right, and then he was like, <laughs> okay, yeah, sure, I'll try it. I was like, because at the end of the day, I was still like, shit, I'm hungry. And he was like, well, I'm going to bring the wine. Now, here's the thing. When you ask me what type of wine I like, or if you ask me what I want in general, I'm going to tell you. You can't be bringing dessert wine as wine for an yeah, that's true. That's true. And most people don't know wines, though. Most people that, don't know. And that's that fine. Wine, that yeah. you don't know wines. You know. But most people expect that the other person don't know wine. <laughs> but that's true. If you don't know, ask. Yep, that's true. I mean, I'm gonna I bring the wine. That's just like, okay, I'm gonna bring the wine. Okay. Then follow up What kind of wine are you like? You like, like white or red? Or do you say white but, uh, and then or sweet right you ask but also, those questions you're having tuna technically with tuna you're supposed to do a white wine me on the other hand i just and do, i like a riesling i just do a white light red um or yeah, chardonnay you could, do a, you could do a riesling yeah chardonnay a little bit too sweet actually i only like i only like uh riesling and um What's my other Pinot Grigio? I like dry. Give me the driest white that there is. <laughs> and so, yeah, yeah. but you just got to ask Just for the niggas that are trying to holler at me, like, if you only <laughs> can go for white, if you only like white, give me reason. <laughs> I'm serious. I believe that my man is out here listening. <laughs> oh, yes, he is. Hello. Oh, is this thing going? Okay. So, yeah. My you know, you know, you don't, yeah, have, to, you don't have to be this wine expert. Or whatever, right. or expert. Now, what does that mean in terms of what is a good first date then? And and let's go back. Now, yes. this past week there were that like the week before they this this organization or this this Instagram released uh, seven um, toxic people to get into a relationship, male female. Mm-hmm. And then it was like, and then this last week they released uh, seven of the people of the type the seven types oh, yeah. that are that are good, right? Mm-hmm. Um, and on each one of those things, there were examples of what type of date, you know, you would, you would prefer. Correct. Um, so I would like to take it a step further. All right. And I, I know I was the creator. I was the creator and the work person, which was a hundred percent, but I was the above and beyond guy. And now Nigel a hundred percent. And I was like, what do you think about balloons? And like that, like, I love it. I absolutely love <laughs> I'm thinking like night to the point where like Nigel's rapping for his nigga, his boy. I should say nigga. Not my nigga, my boy. For your boyfriend's Christmas gifts, birthday gifts. I mean, you almost don't want to unwrap it, and you gotta understand. And it's funny that him and I are friends at often. A lot of people talk about that too because Nigel is very like high scale. But see, here's the thing. Okay. Yep. I'm glad you go ahead and own it. Nigel is very high scale, but I'm very just like, I'm chill. But here's also the thing. 
the reason the reason why me and Nigel are cool with it because me and Nigel don't mind spending money on something that is of quality. And mm. so like I'm chill, but like but Nigel's also chill. Like Nigel is a wing wing person as well. So it's kind of fun. Maybe we are just like the same in that day. Yours just come off a little bit more like bougie, I would say, in terms mm-hmm. of, you know, he's more <laughs> expressive on whether he agree or disagree with, with something. Uh-huh. As far but as far as like with me, I'm more so I could say I'm just more so like we just the, the truth that. of the matter is over the course of our friendship is that we both <laughs> We both have the same, we have both can share the same feelings, but they show up differently depending upon the circumstances. That's true. Because when you start saying, same like, feeling though. Ah, same feeling. that's yes. good. Because you. when Mario, I'll never forget when you started talking about it underground, like when we would want to go out, he was like, I mean, I can go, but do they got VIP? <laughs> Cause that's I don't go unless they got VIP. I that's said, oh, oh, I think that's the number. I have paid multiple times for my friends to so just. I'd be like, look, I'll just pay for the VIP for everybody. Like I will, I will rap. I love having a good. Like when I go out, y'all, I just want to have a space to just dance and to get the services that I needed. Yes, I have a good ass damn time because I don't go out a lot, and maybe that's why I don't mind spending. I mean, Nigel, we spent three hundred four hundred dollars before on VIP, yeah. right? And I don't mind it because I'm not going you don't out mind. all the time. But and it also ties into experience. Experience, like wherever we go, no matter if it's food, if it's an outing, if it's a trip or whatever, we care about experience, cultivating yeah. a a. But great here's the here's book. the fucked up part. We'll spend that type of money, and I'm not trying to be. It, it's really fucked up, you guys, in some instances because we still won't get there to midnight. <laughs> <laughs> well, that's another thing because you because we both be like one we got to take a nap and two yeah. we ain't got to be in there all day. <laughs> we got to be here all day. Like I will spend the three hundred dollars for two hours. The NBI for two hours. Be good enough. And I will end up telling the VIP host when do the v- when is the last minute I could be. They be like, well, it's your table. I mean, you get there whenever you want to. Cool. <laughs> two hours is all that I need. Let the let the bartender know I'm about to be in there. Let the little little lady know I'm about to be there. This is the drink that we want, all types of things. The funny thing is whenever me and Nigel do go out, we always get the wood for it, and people always got to go to the store to get it. I'll be like, damn, bro. Now I know I just spent $200 for that damn bottle. Well, then that speaks to where we're going. Ah, uh, and it's 30, 40, <laughs> damn, and it does speak to where we're going. Cause, okay, let's just say something. So what is your anyway. type of first date? Like, let's see if it's somewhat the same. I want to think back to my first date my love right now um why you think you want me to go yeah go ahead because i can't think so for me and maybe this method does not work (laughs) i love talking about this because i cannot wait to look back at this when i'm married and be like damn you was one crazy person (laughs) but for me my first date should only last an hour oh That's, that's how i believe my first date should go it should be and I really only like, I don't really like to do food on the first date. I like to do something <laughs> like drinking, something okay. like that. No, because I believe in the first date model. Well, if it's work, because look, I'm still single. So maybe this method is not working, but it's fun though. And, and it, because let me tell you this. Okay, let me say this. this I'm going to tell you my model. I'm going to tell you why I'm still going with it. Uh-huh. I'm sorry. Okay. So, oh God. Okay. So it is, so the model that I go with is that like I do... I do a uh, um, uh, first date for one hour. 
and it's supposed to be drinking coffee. It can even be like a dessert. And then I decide whether I didn't want to have dinner with them, which is longer and more of a committed type of thing. Absolutely. I believe in that because honestly, you, one, dating could cost a lot of money. You could start spending a lot of money if you're going on meals and meals and meals. You know what I mean? Type of thing. Which is funny because a lot of people hear that I always go on like, I do, I love to go on dates. And people mm -hmm. hear I go on these dates, right? But the truth of the matter is that like, I'm not going on dates really longer than an hour. Like one, I just need to know, do I, like, do I like you to go out to have dinner with you? Versus these long ass damn drawn out dates that's just like, you're going to eventually, like for me, a personality like me, I'm going to eventually get tired of them after two, I need to reignite, freshen back up, and then let's go do, let's go again, right? And a lot of people, when they go on these long dates, they get tired of dating. I haven't gotten tired of dating. I haven't gotten tired because I know that I'm only going out here for an hour. Mm -hmm. I'll let him. Da -da 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 -da. Cool. Do I want to go have dinner with him? <laughs> da -da -da -da. That's all I'm asking is do I want to go have dinner? And that's how I look at my first date. I have some really good first dates. But my favorite first dates is going to a craft type of, no, like a, um, a signature bar that does signature drinks. That is so fun because yeah. if I am going to do these little hour days, I do like to go to a different bar that's like, um, I, and there's so many different cool rooftops in Charlotte where I always say, give me your special drink. I say, I like this, I like this, and I like this. And a bartender be like, ooh, I know exactly what to make you. I love that. Mm -hmm. That's been my favorite. And then you can listen to the other person. I always try to encourage the other guy to say, okay, you know, just tell him your ingredients instead of saying, I would like a Manhattan or I would like an old-fashioned. Mm -hmm. Tell the bartender, I like this, this, and that, and then have them make something for you. And you get to learn about that other person with the drink. It's super, super fun. And I've done it sometimes before. Not all the time. Every time it's just coffee at a little Starbucks or something. But that second date for me is the mo is more, let's go do something really more eclectic. But that first one, you know, nah, saving my coins. It's tacos, nigga. <laughs> <laughs> That's why I'm still single. <laughs> you know. But we'll see. That sounds good, though. Yeah. Who's your first? You know, I'm gonna be very transparent with y'all. I ain't really had no no dates for real. Like, you know, you've dated way more than I have. I did. Hey, <laughs> like, I, I don't have a reference for any of that. Like, the guy, the the very few guys that I've like interacted with, like, there, the, I didn't have dates. It wasn't like let's meet up and go here and yeah. Have the, wide range of experiences i didn't like so what was you doing? No, I'm uh, nah, so like, it was really like i've only had two, phone, yeah. two boyfriends um and then the one that um uh, who turned into just a friend like that i would travel to see yeah it was just about creating memories and having experiences honestly and i love to eat and mm -hmm. so we were always going to a restaurant and he was introducing me to new things um, that was back in Chicago, but like in my current relationship, um, our first like meetup or date, if you will, we went and got tacos. Like, see, and it's my he over here tacos and tequila, and that's the good thing. and really good tequilas, and we talked. Oh yeah, and he because I like to drink, and so <laughs> shit, and he do too. But we went, had tacos, tequila, had good tacos. And then when we got back, we 
even when we were dating, like everything circled around food. We love to eat. Um, to which, I love bread. I love food. Okay. okay. Damn. So yeah, there was, yeah. Food is just always at the center of our relationship, which I appreciate, which he appreciates. And yeah, but it was never one of those things where we got real particular around like first base. Oh, we only going to do tacos and then we'll gradually get to this place. He felt so familiar wow. to me and, and, and so Southern in different ways to where it was like, I'm going to cook stuffed peppers today, or I'm going to cook a pot roast today, or we going to have some smoked ribs today. And then I'll, like, cause that's how I flow. When I was cooking breakfast, I'm like, okay, we're going to have um, bacon, eggs, cinnamon rolls, shrimp and grits and all that stuff. Like we just went for the shit. Like we think about all that. And that's what I like. And I'm going to pour me a mimosa. But what I'm saying around that, <laughs> all I'm saying around that is that <laughs> that's cool. Is that does it, go, or as long as it go up from there. That's all I'm saying. As, as long as it go up from there, I'm, I'm down with that. But yeah. oftentimes, it'd be like people give, people out here giving folks prime rib on new niggas. Well, here's that another what thing. I'm here for it. I'm trying to say that point. That's all I'm saying. And you got to vet your person too. Like, oh, that's good. I, but okay, yeah. can I go oh. back to one thing that you were saying? <laughs> go ahead. Because let me say this: I've been on plenty of dates, but I'm single. Nigel been on least dates, but he's in a relationship. Don't compare yourself to everyone else you because sure a lot of people are out here. Like, I don't date. I don't go on dates. I'm never gonna find my person. Well, I go on hella dates, and I still haven't found my person. But Nigel been on left dates, and he's found his person, right? Yeah. And so that, I want y'all to take that in because that's important. Because that, that you don't need to, you don't, if you want to go on these dates, if that's what you want to do, then do it. If yeah. that's your claim to fame, if you don't like going on all these different dates, don't do it. But right. you gotta be even more selective in your in your uh in your dating process, and that's mm-hmm. fine. Don't allow anybody to tell you what you. One thing that I think that I respect about me and Nigel's friendship relationship is that him and I we do not judge each other for the decisions that we make in our dating experiences, which makes it so much easier to have true, authentic conversations mm-hmm. with with each other because we we don't we don't judge each other like you did this, but I don't have to do this, right? Right. That's very yeah. true. Yeah. The only thing that we, the, the thing that I appreciate oh, that we, we do. do, no, it's just okay. that when we have, when we f- need to grow or discover new things or have conversation, that's what we do. So it don't matter yeah. that I'm in a relationship when you're dating, vice versa. We always are challenging each other to show up. Like we always talk about, how are you showing up authentically? Mm-hmm. Is this really about the person or is it really about you and what you need to do within you to show up better for Yep. in the experiences that you want to have to ultimately end up where you want to end up. That's good. And that's it. That's it, guys. That's it. Mm. I love that. Mm-hmm. I know we probably are going to end up being over an hour on this conversation. We still, we still got an interview to do. And so, adding that to it, child, this is going to be real. But I love the conversation because we really got real. And a lot of people like this. Um, this segment so i'm really grateful for that we really grateful for it um but let's go into this commercial break and we'll be back with our special guest thank you guys <laughs> bye i mean we'll be back <laughs>
Hey, y'all. All my role models had FBI files. I don't know about you, but I always want my style to match my cause. That's where Huey Sons come in. The modern accessories for the modern revolutionary. From buttons and stickers to lapel pins and bracelets. With more always being added. Huey Sons bring millennial style to pro-black causes. Check them out at HueySons.com today. That's HueySons.com or find them on social media. Huey Sons for the modern revolutionary. Welcome back to You Go Boy Podcast. Hey, we're back. I know. That last conversation was amazing. Um, I really kind of like the way that we do our fireside chats. You know, it's really dope because I guess like our guests get to know us a little bit more. I think. Yeah, and they are really enjoying it because now we're asking them to be a part of the fireside chat. Like, what are you thinking about? What are conversations you and your friends are having? And you may want us to weigh in on it. So keep sending us those topics via email or text yeah. message or DMs, however you want to. We want to hear from y'all. Yep. And we found out how to get back on the, um, on our email. Um, I found <laughs> the password. I'm telling you. And then I looked in and I was like, oh, it's a lot of people that message us. Um, we need to get on it. Sorry so we that. will be getting that. And y'all, we just came back from a commercial break. So we're going to be doing a better job at making sure that we get you guys on those commercials. Cause we get we got followers. We got followers, and they trying to get featured. So we need to do our due diligence. True. <laughs> All right. So um, today is a special conversation for I think it's near to your heart as well as mine. Um, this mm-hmm. is my uh, labor of work that I do um, every day, right? And so uh, just really work focusing on boys of color, mm-hmm. and there are just so many amazing people out here that are doing some great work for boys of color because mm-hmm. we know that it's important for them to succeed in. And, and, and disclaimer, we're not trying to discount uh, women in this conversation. Uh, yeah. I think like one thing, we want to definitely incorporate that as well. And I think they uh, really deserve their own platform. Each of them deserve their own platform. But the problem typically is when we just only talk about boys of color um, and never create a platform for women to talk about and everybody to talk about women, women of color. There is a new documentary coming out just real quick um, called Push uh, mm-hmm. or Push Out, which is going to be talking about women of color and girls of color, how they are pushed out of the uh, system and mm. um, prison, stuff like that and everything. So we're going to get into that conversation. But today it's going to be on how do we help boys of color to succeed, right? Yes. <laughs> Look, yes. I said yes. Yes. <laughs> so we yes. have Archie Milford Moss Jr. <laughs> On the whole government name. Today. Yes. Whole government name. Look him up. His social security number is 2199. <laughs> Mercy. <laughs> Home from the pork and beans of uh, Miami, Florida. Moved to uh, Charlotte. 
where that was the only person that I know. I always usually lie in my speeches. Let me say Definitely this. Definitely do. Thank I, you for being honest. Wow, that's crazy. I'm going to introduce him this way. I, when I go out and I speak at different events, I always say, like, I moved to Charlotte and I didn't know anyone. And one day there was Archie in the audience, and I said that. He was like, that's a damn lie. Mm-hmm. He was like, you knew me. <laughs> and the crazy thing is we've known each other for over 10 years, me, Nigel, Archie. And, um, yeah, just started. Yeah. We, we uh, did yeah. the spring. We would do a spring break tour, and our schools were very close to one another because uh, Tanya and Dawson. Mm-hmm. Yeah, Tanya okay. Dawson. Yep. Tanya and, and, our, and one of our, she was a programming coordinator, director uh, for their African-American uh, culture center, and then Jasmine was for ours at the University of Cincinnati. So during spring break, uh, every other year we would meet up, and at the time, Archie was vice president. They had these things called the black card, we uh <laughs> here's the thing uh, yeah. y'all i still have my black card yes for the black student union black card yes this is at the university mine. of florida <laughs> you got yours no i don't know where that black card is Damn, i mean at this point we're trying to get a real black card hello mm-hmm. what you said listen period now, archie does make money he lives in downtown memphis <laughs> um, <laughs> help me tell them where i live in these three, streets three bedroom uh three bedroom apartments so uh, much for uh, discretion and, and no discretion. William right. Sonoma uh, <laughs> uh, appliances. <laughs> that is where he's at. But most of all, he is the principal of an um uh, uh, uh I was about to say prehistoric child. What's a yurka? I know, right? He is the pre. Uh, not the pre- damn. Get my shit right. Let's rewind. He is the, <laughs> he is the principal of of an historic um uh elementary school in memphis and the stuff that he has been doing there is amazing so i really wanted to bring him here to have the conversation and the stuff he's specifically been doing with boys of color for years has um, been amazing so uh, archie just say uh, i mean i know we talked about a lot um you can embarrass me i embarrass you uh just yourself <laughs> if you want to i know i just said a lot about you I mean, yeah, I don't know how much more to say. Uh, besides, as you mentioned, uh, I, yes, I am the principal for uh, elementary school, Bruce Elementary School here in Memphis, Tennessee. And as you mentioned, it's a yeah. historic school. It was one of the first four schools here in Memphis to integrate in 1961. Wow. So on October 3rd, 1961, um, there were actually 13 first graders that integrated Memphis City Schools. And we're about to come up on another anniversary of it. Yeah. Um, yeah. And so there were three. Um, brave first graders, uh, Menelik Fomby, Harry Williams, and Dwayne Cows, who actually integrated Bruce um, in 1961. Okay. Yeah, you know, I know, I know our history. <laughs> um, <laughs> and so I always tell people it's so funny that I, I'm able to lead a school now as a proud principal of a school that wasn't designed for me. Yeah. And so I think that's just powerful in the sense that, like, I could walk the hallways freely, you know, lead freely when a couple of years ago, I wouldn't have been allowed to go to that school in the first place. So I think it's so important. I think a lot of the work that we try to do is to make sure that they know that we can be proud Bruce Bulldogs because of the the shoulders of the giants that we're standing on, because of the Memphis 13, because of the Bruce 3, as we like to call them. We could continue to lead and do, you know, do what we got to do to to show that we are are something special. So yeah, I'm excited about um, continuing to lead Bruce. This is my fourth year there so i'm excited to keep making some things happen absolutely 
Well, we're going to get into talking about boys of color, but let's talk about that just a little bit. Let's start off with that because I think it's just so cool. Um, when you got to the school, did it have that pride? Did people really recognize the Bruce three? Um, and if it did or if it didn't, how did you improve it or how did you bring that into the school? So I will say that Bruce has a very historical context and the community loves the school Bruce. Mm -hmm. um, out of the four schools that integrated, there was Bruce, there was Springdale, Rosdale, and Gordon. Gordon is no longer a traditional school. Um, and then it's, so it's just us, um, Springdale and Rosdale that's left. And so my actual first year as principal was the actual 55th anniversary of the Memphis 13. And mm -hmm. so I was just like, oh, this is, I'm happy I'm coming in at such a unique time period. Like, let's do yeah. something big. And what was so funny was that we were the only school um, that actually had a huge celebration. Mm. And we actually invited back all three of the members of the Bruce Three. Wow. And so they all came back to the school. They toured the building. They spoke at our ceremony. And every news station here in Memphis actually filmed and streamed the event. We had some of our congressmen come to the event. Like, it was actually a a very wow. um, profound event. And I think what made them feel so much better, the, the Bruce Three, was that when they walked through the hallways, my kids recognized them. They're That's like, powerful. You, they're yeah, like, is, you, right? They was like, you the man, I saw you on YouTube. You, 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 <laughs> you were at the school a long time ago. And like, it just really made oh, wow. a lot of them feel really special. And a lot of them shared how walking into the school now, how they felt so much joy, how they felt mm. so much love coming mm. through the hallways and how that was just a different feeling back in, back in 1961 where they didn't feel that love. They didn't feel like they were wanted and cared for. Mm. And so they were just sharing how right now they feel like the school had just transformed to something so much more than what it was. And so that made me feel good. Um, not that I could take all the credit for that because I was just starting at that time. Like yeah. I was only a few months into the school building. So I feel like that was something that they had established prior to my arrival. But mm -hmm. I think since I've been there, that's something I want to always continue to celebrate, continue to embrace is just that history and making sure each and every year as we get new scholars that come in and out of the building, that they understand the Bruce Three, they understand the Memphis 13, they understand the importance and just the history of the people that have been here before us so that we continue, you know, blazing trails to move forward. That's good. I have a quick question to that. I think it's a very unique thing as you as a male of color, as a black man who's leading this school that has this historical context behind it. And something that we've talked about before is that we can't be what we can't see. So Absolutely. how do you feel that your platform, the way you show up as a black man and the influence of the historical context around your school, how does that impact you as a principal and as a leader, mm -hmm. as you are leading these students of color through their K through, K through five experience? How does that impact you um, as a leader. And then also to that, what kind of feedback have you received from the students? And so I think a lot of the, a lot, we call my, my students, if, if they heard me call them students, they'll be very disappointed in me <laughs> because they <laughs> okay, let me correct. know. That was, that was one of the things that they let me know from the beginning that we're not students, we're scholars. And so Here. I had to Hello. train my own mind to make sure mm -hmm. that as I'm referring to them, that I always refer to them as scholars. But I think when I think about how I came into the building and how I've been able to lead the school, I think there's so many different layers of my identity that had to come out. And I think mm. one of the biggest things that allowed me to relate to my kids was my youth. Mm. Um, and so I am the youngest principal here in Shelby County Schools. And so that's a blessing and a curse. Mm -hmm. I think it's a blessing in the sense that 
my teachers, my teachers love it. My teachers love that I, they always tell me I got these young, fresh ideas, which I don't know what that means. <laughs> but um, that's something they always tell me. That I've just got all the energy. Uh-huh. Um, but it, it allows me to really relate to my kids. Like, and it allows me to relate to my teachers. Like, mm-hmm. I'm not that far removed that I don't remember what it's like to go in a classroom every single day, teach a lesson, yeah. make sure my kids are getting what they need. Mm-hmm. I'm also not that, not that far removed where I don't remember what it's like to be a black boy going mm-hmm. to a public school mm-hmm. and dealing with different traumatic experience outside of school that interferes with how I show up each and every day. Mm-hmm. And so I think I leave each and every day through that lens of knowing that, listen, I made it out myself. Yeah. Um, and so I leave in a sense of trying to show and trying to prove people wrong that everything that people said I couldn't do, I can. And I think mm-hmm. I lead my kids to kind of have that same kind of drive that no matter what you're up against, you got to lead authentically. You got to lead by, you know, lead with your pride, lead with your passion. I think that you'll be able to, to accomplish whatever it is you're trying to do. And so I think me being a young black male, I think all of those identities kind of play hand in hand and they allow my kids to relate a little bit more to me. Um, Mm -hmm. My kids always tell me I'm very hands on or like I've never met a principal that, you know, leads the step team and and coaches the basketball team and Uh does all this stuff outside of school. Yeah, it might be because I'm young and I, you know, want to still be involved, but I also do it. (laughs) <laughs> yeah, I got the energy, but I also do it because it allows me to make sure that I make that connection because I don't know how many of my students have ever scholars. See, I made a slip up. They're going to get me. But they look at my you. <laughs> I self-correct though. I, that's, yeah, that's important. That's right. <laughs> um, how many of them, how many of my scholars have really engaged or embarked on having a black male elementary principal? Mm-hmm. And yeah. so I think that's so important as well. So I feel like I have to transform in their minds what a principal should look like and i yeah. think that's how i lead every day is making sure that when they interact with me that i'm 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 making sure that they have a positive experience mm-hmm. so that they can always remember me as they you know matriculate through middle school right. high school and then hopefully college or career that they understand that i was laying the foundation for something better absolutely that's powerful mm-hmm. yeah I, listen i'm getting wrapped <laughs> up in this conversation <laughs> i'm just like look I'm here. Um, <laughs> this is great because I think like, and, and tonight just plan, I would love to go back to uh, your first year as, uh, as an educator. Uh, I mean, not as even as, well, yeah, let's go back to your first year as an educator. Go back to your teaching days. Ooh. Okay. <laughs> I don't want to go back. I don't go back. <laughs> okay. No. <laughs> don't take me there. Uh, but go back to your teaching days. And I think that what I would love to hear is the pattern in which that you created in order to make sure that boys of color were getting the things that they needed to succeed. Because I think Ooh, it probably yeah. most likely started with in that beginning year with it absolutely, yeah. day doing step and all these type of things. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yeah. So I definitely going back to year one, I always tell people that my class size is my first year because I think that helped transform and help give a great picture for what my first year was like. My class sizes was 41, 35, and 38. Students? Students. <laughs> Not at one time? Uh, at one time. Um, oh, my goodness. I taught sixth grade math. Um, and I will also say that my first year, um, that 41 kids in my homeroom, 17 of them had IEPs. And, and they so, so quickly throw them out. 
And okay. so as a first year teacher, I didn't know what the hell I was doing. Just being very honest. Yeah. Um, I was trying to figure it out. And I was at that point just trying to manage the kids and make sure that, you know, I wasn't sending kids out. There wasn't altercations taking place. You know, it was just a matter of figuring out how to make it work with all those kids basically sitting on one another. Mm. And so what I noticed that first year was that a lot of the struggles I was having was with, Oh, you turn up here records, huh? Yeah, there you go. Oh, there you my bad. bad. Yeah, <laughs> somebody, somebody bad. Somebody called me. I have to call back. Um, I learned that first year that a lot of the students that I had difficulty with or that I struggled with were my boys of color. Mm. And so I don't necessarily feel like I did what I was supposed to do. And I always mm. think about one of my students um, who I felt like I failed. And whenever, you know, that first year experience, everyone's talked about that student who changed your yeah. life. Mm -hmm. I always talk about this one student, um, Desmond, who I didn't do the right thing for. I had gave up on him. Mm -hmm. I gave up on him because he didn't come to me with what I thought he needed. He didn't come mm -hmm. show up to me with the behavior I felt like he should have. Um, and there were days where I just allowed him to sit and do nothing in my classroom because uh, idle and quiet Desmond was a good day for me. Mm -hmm. But how was I lowering my expectation? How was I not giving him what he needed? And how was I letting him skate by and not mm -hmm. do anything and not put in the work for it? And so at the end of that year, like I always had to reflect on how did what I do create this school to prison pipeline? Yeah. Ooh, and I yeah. think back to that first year, I had to be very, very reflective. There was only one sixth grade student that year that was retained and it was him. Mm. Um, and then I think back two years later as I continue teaching and I asked some of my other students who, you know, have y'all heard from him? What's going on with him? And they had let me know that once they got, got to high school that he had dropped out. Mm. And so for me, that made me think about, well, how do I contribute to this school to prison pipeline? I didn't yeah. do anything to support him. And I think that's what allowed me to feel like I had to do more work for myself to figure out what do I need to do to go the extra mile to make sure that even if they're difficult, even if they don't come to you with all the love that you want them to have. Mm -hmm. um, how do you compensate for that? How do you compliment yeah. that? How do you still work with them to get them what they need? And I feel like that's what sparked my interest in making sure that I do a lot more work with the black boys because I feel like I failed, I failed some. Mm -hmm. And I feel like I, it's my job now to make sure I'm doing a better job to make sure that I save or I support the ones that I come in contact with from here on out. That's good, good. Yes. Now, do you have anything? <laughs> I'm. I don't know. I think so. Well, what the one thing I do want to say, based upon that story, is thank you for your vulnerability and your honesty around mm -hmm. saying that you failed in that moment. Yeah. Like you reflected and said, you know what? I could have handled this a little bit differently. I could have lent more support or whatever. Because the truth of the matter is, that's how we are across the board with people like when people mm -hmm. are difficult to deal with we don't know their background we don't know the things that they could have been ex going through or experiencing and so because especially in that environment you have 41 kids or Ooh. scholars you know yeah then you have yeah. you have these large body of students so it's almost like i hear often with educators like well you know i can't you can only give so much you know uh -huh. uh, because there are other things that are going on and if this if this 20 want it then i'm gonna give it to this 20 if this other and, 20 and, don't yep. want it, i can't be worried about it mm -hmm. but then like you go home and you're like dang like this one out of all these students he's now dropped out and all these things you can have like guilt and all these other things and so what you said was you know what instead 
I'm going to self-evaluate and how can I do better for the next group of scholars that I'm going to work with? And that just comes with learning and discovering and failing forward. Absolutely. Um, so that is real because so many people don't want to take ownership for those discoveries or failures. They only want to yeah. celebrate, you know, really talk about the ones that made it, who's the scholars, who got the scholarships, who got the varsity letters and stuff but they don't want to talk about the failures or if they do talk about them they place all blame on the student mm -hmm. and not taking ownership yeah. as the professional so yeah yeah that's what left well, me like Ooh. and let's go with that like you turned a tragedy into opportunities for more males of color to succeed right and so yeah when i think about that moment i think you know i was a teacher you know I think many people listen to the podcast probably know that already. Um, and so <laughs> I know that I had students that I 100% um, failed, right? Um, and you turned this tragedy of, of a failed opportunity into making sure that other boys don't slip into the cracks. What were some of those things that, that you've done that you are doing now that are hoping to make sure that all boys are able um, to succeed, at least in your presence? And um, how are you serving as a model for other males of color to follow um, those footsteps? Yeah, so one of the things that came out of that experience, me teaching, was uh, the creation to what is known now as the Gentleman's League, my mm -hmm. all-male mentorship program that I've been yeah. able to establish. Um, and again, the whole purpose of that was to educate, empower, and enrich our males to lead them to a path of success. Mm -hmm. And so I took all of those negative experiences that I had in the classroom um, and all those, that failure, Desmond is my failure story that I always say is the reason why I started the Gentleman's League, because mm -hmm. I wanted to make sure that all the boys that came after him had something that they could call their own, had a sense of brotherhood, had a group of individuals that they could work with to support mm -hmm. them in their own development on whatever level they're on. That's and good. so I started that uh, when I was in Charlotte um, and we did some pilot years. I remember that first year me piloting at my middle school, you know, it's that first year like, oh, I, I want to start with a small group of boys. Let me see how this <laughs> works. And I remember starting off with like 78 boys. There's <laughs> no way that you can pilot with 78 boys. Like, I was like, that's right. not a pilot. That's no, a right. pilot. That's right. a full throttle. Right. Um, <laughs> and I remember that's telling scale. my yes. <laughs> You're scaling the program at this moment. I remember telling, but again, I had 78 because I didn't want to let anyone who needed the program not yeah. be a part of it. Right. And so teachers were referring people, I was referring people, and so it was like I didn't want to turn anybody around. Um, but I remember telling the teachers that if you have difficulty with some of the students, to please send them to me prior mm -hmm. to you feeling like you gotta write them up, send them yeah, to the office, yeah. do things like that, because I want to be that buffer. I want to be, you know, that to intervene before it got to that level. Why yeah. did I say something like that? Because all day <laughs> throughout my teaching day, I would get boys just coming in out my classroom who needed a break, who needed to talk, who needed me to talk to them, which I appreciate it, but it also put an extra burden on me of like, but I was, okay. I'm like, that's the black tax that mm -hmm. educators from, from K through five, high school, mm -hmm. college, like that's the black tax that black educators get in my opinion, because some people don't want to do the work. So they see you as a black man, like, you know what? Let's go. He doing it. You, you going, you yeah. going like, yeah. And I think that that's, un I definitely think that it's unfair. It is. And so I, at that time, I felt like it was a privilege, you know, mm -hmm. I didn't, in retrospect, <laughs> it wasn't, <laughs> but it was a privilege because I felt like at least then I was 
able to be a buffer to mm -hmm. support some of these young men prior to them going straight to the office. And so yeah. at least then the staff member were seeing me as a next step mm -hmm. rather than sending them straight to the office, which I was the person that could have prevented them from getting a suspension, thus creating this school to prison pipeline that we know of today. And so I felt like, okay, I, I really appreciated doing that. But as time goes on, that's where you get that burnout. That's where you feel yeah. so like, okay, this is too much. I'm overwhelmed. I can't do this much longer. And so I think that's actually the point that I got to in Charlotte where I was burnt out um, in a role as a dean of students where I felt like my job was simply to discipline kids all day. The same yeah. kids I was trying to protect mm -hmm. were the ones that I was being forced to mm. send home and sit in conferences and sit in these determination meetings to see if they're going to go to alternative school. And it just wasn't what I was passionate about. Um, yeah. It wasn't what the purpose of the Gemini's League was. Yeah. And so I think me then transitioning to Memphis, um, I was like, you know what, well, let me move to Memphis. Let me learn a new system. Let me try, you know, you know, I felt like I was really doing really well for myself in Charlotte, but I think moving to Memphis allowed me to try to establish myself all over again. And let me see if I could make changes here in Memphis. And so I think here in Memphis now, I'm able to really fully operate the Gemini's League as a 501c3, but also being able to um, we just established um, our school district, Chevy County Schools, our first ever elementary basketball league. Oh, wow. And so the Gemini's League sponsors that. We're actually going into our fifth season. So we have a fall season and a spring season. I do that um, intentionally because I want to make sure that we have numerous opportunities to have our boys involved in something some extracurricular activity after school yeah. and so we do a fall league and a spring league some schools have the same students on both seasons um some schools change it up they you know switch it up and, and make sure they can impact as many more um young men as possible but again I, I started that basketball league as simply like oh let's see how this goes it started with four schools and last season it got up to 26 schools and so we had over <laughs> 300 athletes across Shelby County that were part of this basketball league and I say that because like it's so so surprising when you see I remember I always have to tell a story about one of my um young men who's in my gentleman's league who had a lot of, I'll say he had a lot of difficulty in school mm -hmm. I would say my first year teaching I mean my first year as principal um I probably suspended him numerous times I'm not gonna say <laughs> how much because I don't want anyone to judge me but <laughs> he got in lots of trouble that's, that next year, he came out for the basketball team. He was not a good basketball player whatsoever. He cannot play. He really couldn't <laughs> dribble, couldn't do layups. But I put him on the team. Mm -hmm. And from that moment that I placed him on the team, he never got a suspension again. That's crazy. And he never got a suspension wow. again because he just wanted to be a part of something. Mm -hmm. Sense of belonging. On some so, yeah. yeah. He, yeah. like, all I would have to do is say, I'm cutting your playing time, and it was the end of the world. I, he would have thought that you know, I, I just killed his his <laughs> best friend or something because I took away his ability to play basketball in one of our games. But mm -hmm. I was able to be able to utilize that as a accountability measure, utilize mm -hmm. that as a as a sense of discipline. And our discipline as a school went down because now some of the some of the young men who typically were the ones getting in all the trouble were on my basketball team. Yeah. Yeah. And they so, need an outlet. Yeah. They just need an outlet. So that's why yeah. I started the, the basketball league. It simply is to make sure that we're providing those positive outlets for our kids after school so that they have yeah. something to engage with. They have teaching them the fundamentals of basketball, teaching them teamwork, teaching them collaboration and 
and a sense of community. So not yes. only teach them basketball, but like teach them these life skills. They got to learn yes. how to navigate this world moving forward. And mm. I think it's just so exciting that like this is actually our largest. Normally our spring season is the largest. Um, but fall, we normally have about 10 to 12 schools. And this year we have eight, this season that's about to kick off um, in two weeks, we have 20 schools that's involved. And so mm. it's like, I see that each year that the numbers are just increasing because there are schools that want to get involved in what we're doing. And again, we're just doing positive things for our black boys and giving them stuff to do after school. To do. Yeah. And I think that's what the Gender League is all about. It's just trying to provide different outlets to empower, educate, and enrich them to make them, you know, on the path to success. Yeah. Well, this is a great conversation, right? And so, like, I, I, I don't want to wrap it up, but, you know, we do 30-minute conversations, damn it. Uh, and so this has been really, really, uh, in my, in my eyes, very empowering, uh, even someone who's in education, um, because I just love to be able to hear what other people are doing to empower our boys of color. Um, it's hard for me to think about, I, I have two questions in my head and I'm trying to think about like, which one is that, that better one. I think like the, the, the one of I think that it's really good is, is um, how do we con really continue to have, you know, this conversation or, or continue to bring on programs? Like if, if someone who's listening to this podcast, like what can they do to ensure, uh, to make sure that they're protecting their boys of color and helping sure mm -hmm. that they have the resources that are available for them to be able to succeed? Um, and, and, you know, like you started a lot of stuff. Um, they probably are going to first have to email you to just get a template. <laughs> I don't think you could do that, <laughs> everything in five minutes. Um, but if, if you could just share uh, the top of the things that's on your heart of how can someone else uh, replicate these uh, things, because you create, you, and just real quick, you did say um, some amazing results as well. Uh, you, create, you, you talked about how students were able to be changed, uh, how you were able to scale the program, um, how even other people around you knew how important it was to have a program for boys of color because they would send you <laughs> their their boys. Um, and so I think you pretty much shared that it's important. Now, how mm -hmm. do we continue to replicate that? And, and what are your, some of your top things that you would probably recommend? Um, so I think uh, one the first thing that I would say I would talk to anybody who's trying to make sure they do what's best for boys of color is I think the first thing at the forefront of every conversation when we talk about our boys of color has to be what are you doing to build those authentic relationships with your boys of color and mm -hmm. making sure that whoever you are, no matter what level you are, whatever, what level you support in the education field, like you have to make sure that you're operating in a space where you aren't in fear of the students in which you're serving. Yeah. And so if you're operating and you feel like you can't connect with your boys, and if your boys don't feel like they're seen and heard by you, yeah. and if they feel as though they're not deeply known by you as the educator, then there's not anything that I could tell you that's mm -hmm. going to allow you to make the connection for our boys to feel like they can relate to you, they can and trust you. How, do they, how, how does one get to that? I know the answer. <laughs> I mean, it's, it's a matter of like, like, it's hard. I feel like this is one of those hard questions for me to be able to answer because I yeah. think for me, it's something that comes naturally because I'm yeah. a black man. Yeah. So I know what it means to have someone to really 
have an invested interest in my well-being and get to know me and push me even when I don't want to push myself. And but so I let think me, I think that was great. And I think what else you just also said within that that really is about how do you make sure that you're able to show up and be authentic for boys of color is to you you self-corrected yourself earlier, right? Like mm -hmm. you did all of these things that you're helping your own self-growth. Oftentimes yeah. we see we see toxic. Uh, and we didn't really get into that conversation, uh, really, but we see toxic uh, men really uh, uh, mentoring boys of color. And one of the things that we know for sure that happens with toxic men is that they don't know who they are themselves, right? And yes. so they're not, doing, they're not doing that work of of knowing themselves. And and so you, what I'm hearing, where I'm hearing from you from the very beginning, you even talked about that. You know what yes. I mean? That you were learning who you are as a person. Um, mm -hmm. in order for you to now be able to show up for boys. So, I mean, I think <laughs> just yeah, to throw my sin in there, yeah. in order for you to create authentic conversations and authentic relationships with people, you have to be authentic yourself. Absolutely. Mm -hmm. And yeah. I think just in general, another thing is like, we need to get more males into the schools. And so again, we can talk about, mm -hmm. you know, needing more male teachers. Of course, we all know that that's a need. But even if that's not a gift of yours, if that's not something you want to do, we need more positive male yeah. role models to be in and out these buildings. So going to a local school, mentor, find ways you can interact with the different schools within your area, within your, like, you know, within your proximity, because I think Boys have to, Nigel said early again, they can't do what they can't see. They need to be able to be exposed to individuals from all walks of life so that they can figure out what it is they want to do and what they want to aspire to become as time goes on. So I think as males of color, like you got to make sure that you are doing your part and yeah. making sure that you're not being toxic when you are in, in front of our boys because you're yeah. furthering creating this divide and further stifling them and, and stifling their own growth and development. So I think that we need them to be more hands-on, get in there and figure out ways you can make those connections to support what's going on in our schools because our boys need them. Um, and I feel like when until we start getting a group of young men or men in general to come into the school to see what's going on, we're never going to change what's going on wow, out of these good, buildings. Man. Damn, that's good. Anything else? Yeah. Damn, that's good. Yeah. Okay, you I mean, got that part. I don't know. <laughs> that was good. I never heard somebody say that part. Yeah. I hope y'all really do take that one in because that that that's good right there. That's a really good good suggestion, and I like how you wrote it worded that. This is yeah. about accountability there. It is, yeah. and I think everybody needs to have that invested interest in the future. And I yeah. think we can't just talk about it. We can't just say that things need to improve. We're not willing to put in the work. And it's a lot of work. These boys need work. I, some of my boys that I work with now every single day, like, they make me work. Yeah. Um, but, it's, but it's the best work because when you start getting to know them and you start hearing their stories, you realize why what you're doing, why it matters and why it's yeah. so important and why you can't stop because they need it. Yeah. Damn, that's good. Nigel? <laughs> <laughs> I'm processing um, what's being said because – that's something that I, I I feel that's been on my heart um, about how can I show up for boys of color <clears throat> in my field. A lot of times we are talking about education, um, the traditional mm -hmm. teachers, um, you know, principals, which I would love for there to be a movement of more black male principals um, mm -hmm. because I never had a black principal um, mm. in general. And so to be able to see now more black men being principals, I remember 
I still remember conversations with my principal from elementary school. I just loved that he was just a man. I was like, oh my God, I've never seen this. So now that students can see black male educators and now aspiring to be principals, I'm like, that's so dope. But for some of us who are entrepreneurs, there is space for us inside of the schools. Mm -hmm. um, and I don't think that we, we know that um, or feel empowered to make those decisions to figure out how can we partner with schools. And so I have been feeling this call, if you will, or seeing the need as an entrepreneur to go into the schools and yeah. teach students about things related to my business. Um, like you said earlier, some of us may not, some of them may not go to college, but they will go into career. So mm -hmm. what does that look like for them? And for me to be a black male in beauty and hair and everything, what does that look like um, for other males of color who may have that interest, but have never seen a black man who has been a business owner under cosmetics or hair or things of that nature, like they need to see that. So I've been thinking about that. So hearing this conversation, just like, hmm. Yeah. I need to do something. Like, like I already knew that, but <laughs> now I'm just like, I felt that that mantle of responsibility and accountability like come through the airways. Like, that's okay. it. Because they need to see us. And yeah. everybody, it's a community thing. So no matter what we do, whether you're in corporate, whether you're in education, whether you're an entrepreneur, like we, they need to see us. Yeah. And wow. schools are more receptive to them seeing us than we think that they are. Yeah. Um, I think that's the other thing too. We think that there's all these, all this protocol and these channels that we have to go through in order to get into the schools. And sometimes mm -hmm. we're probably just overthinking it. So mm -hmm. this is my call that I'm answering and also putting out there to other entrepreneurs to figure out how can we show up for our boys of color in the school systems yeah. standing where we are. Yeah, I agree. Yeah. Well, this is great, guys. Um, again, Archie, how can they, how can they uh, get in contact uh, with you and then we'll close out but how can it all right if you like yeah so email yes my email <laughs> is um a dot moss m-o-s-s -S, at the gents league t-h-e-g-e-n-t-s-l-e-a-g-u-e dot org um and then you can also follow me on um instagram at um it's mr moss yeah. Or on Twitter at Principal Moss Jr. So yeah, yeah, this is so good. So you guys, you've been listening to You Go Boy podcast. I've been enjoying this conversation. I've been trying to go fast. <laughs> uh, <laughs> trying to go. Oh, like I'm trying to be these minutes. No, because I'm trying to make sure like it could be like a quick hour ride. You know what I mean? But Nigel did give a great benediction, like he always do. Um, Arch, we really, really appreciate you. Yes, thank for, you. Uh, no problem. Thank y'all for having me. Podcast. And uh, thank you guys for listening to You Go Away Podcast. Bye-bye.